0: Well, good morning and welcome to a very special edition of His Mighty Hand, the radio ministry of the Highland Terrace Baptist Church, located in Greenville, Texas. Today is a very special July 4th broadcast and podcast. If you enjoy this, this and much of what you hear here on His Mighty Hand is available in podcast form on your favorite podcast platform, including iTunes and Spotify. So you have several opportunities to be touched by. We begin today with some special music. Here's the Battle Hymn of the Republic. And right before Pastor Chet brings his special message on America entitled Alabaster Cities. Here's our national anthem. Oh, say can you see, by the dawn's early light, what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming brought and bright stars through the perilous fight. O'er the red marks we watched were so gallant.
1: was founded not by politicians but by Puritans and the reason the Puritans came was to seek a utopia of Christianity a Christian nation with Christian homes and Christian cities and Christian businesses and Christian economics and Christian schools where children could be taught to read, studying the Bible. And as they were taught the Bible, they could learn doctrine. The sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, which was uh, preached by one of our awakening heroes, was a sermon that caused people to, to shake. Their knees trembled because they recognized the need to stand before God. The Puritans didn't just have a uh, legalistic desire to set all this up. They loved the Lord. They wanted to glorify God. They founded these schools for the propagation of the gospel. It's in their charters. All the Ivy League uh, colleges, Harvard and Yale, every one of them were, were set up. To train preachers to take the gospel to the Native Americans and to many others. Speaking of the Native Americans, their greatest desire was to help them learn about Jesus and to teach them the gospel and to, and to preach to them the love of Christ and to, and to treat them respectfully and and lovingly and and fairly. All the uh, wars that happened between uh, Native Americans and Uh, Our country were much later and they were sinful and they weren't, uh, they weren't ever supposed to be. And uh, our forefathers found out that you can begin a nation with love affair ideals like are described here in this first verse of the parable of the vineyard in Isaiah. But it didn't last very long. Because they recognize that you cannot force anyone to become a Christian. You can't legislate it. You can't make it uh, a legal matter. Becoming a Christian is a matter of faith. And uh, governmental institutions don't really have a soul to get saved. They're only as Christian as the people who run them. And so the only way you can really shape a nation, and I'll say this, the only way you can change a nation is one heart at a time. Everybody's heart has to be reached the same way. And that's with the message of the gospel and the love of Christ. And so what they had to do was sort of shift from a Puritanistic ideal and desire to a pluralistic nation. And pluralism was actually not a bad thing. Pluralism simply allowed people to have whatever faith they felt they wanted to believe in or no faith at all with a complete liberty to practice their faith, which is called religious liberty. And that was put in the Bill of Rights. That the government would not establish a religion, but would exercise freedom for all faiths, including those who were Jewish including those who had no faith, those who were atheists. Their right to practice their faith was strictly protected by the Constitution and the Bill of Rights in a pluralistic sense. Well, notice what the Bible describes God did for Israel. Uh, The vineyard represents the, the nation of Israel. God is the husbandman. And the people of Israel are the fruit, or the, the grapes. They're the produce of the vineyard. And notice what God says. My beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. And by the way, the, uh, the grapes of Eschol and of Ephraim in the land of Israel are considered to be so superior to other grapes that even the gleanings that is after the reapers come and take to market the main lion's share of the grapes those leftover grapes were superior uh, to the best grapes found in other vineyards in other places and so it's a very fruitful place this land of Israel that we recently visited about the size of Vermont is so fruitful now they're growing more fruit Per square inch than any other place in the world. We saw them banana plantations like you can't even believe. And uh, it was amazing. Uh, acres and acres of bananas covered in uh, in uh, a fabric, sort of like a greenhouse to keep them growing even in the winter months. Unbelievable. We saw those everywhere. A very fruitful hill. What did God do? He dug it up. He cleared out the stones. It's a lot of work. He planted it with the choicest vine. He built a tower in its midst, not a shack, not a shed, but a tower. This speaks of God's protective, possessive desire and determination to take care of his people. And that's what I was trying to describe in the beginning, how our nation uh, of America has been so remarkably blessed by the protective hand of God throughout our history. Only recently, only recently, have we been unable to sing uh, undimmed by human tears about the uh, about the cities of our nation, which are now burning and tearing apart at the seams. And we're finding that it's not a foreign enemy that's caused our nation to tear apart at the seams. It's trouble from within. We're imploding from within. It's, it's us. We're tearing ourselves apart. He also made a wine press in it. So he expected it to bring forth good grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. Now, what do you do with a wine press? That large stone press where a millstone can actually press the grapes and produce the fruit of the vine uh, for commerce, for um, for profit. This was not an experiment. This was not a hobby. Uh, this is a picture like a farmer who invests his whole life in his farm. Here's a, here's a vineyard that is at great expense. If this were done by a man in Israel, it would have cost him his life savings. It would have been no hobby or experiment. He would have done it with a certain expectation that that wine press was going to yield a profit. That he was going to make a living from it. And he expected it to do what? To bring forth good grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. He had every reason to expect superior uh, top shelf, highest quality produce. But instead, what did it bring? Wild grapes. Now, this is a picture of the bitter disappointment of God. When he's done everything he could do, and the only question left to ask is, what more could God have done? And God looks upon his vineyard, his nation, his country, that he's established That he has provided for this country that he has blessed so remarkably. And what is he looking for? He's looking for the fruit of righteousness. The fruit of godly character. The fruit that the Puritans expected would cause this godly utopia to spring forth. And instead, what does he see? He sees only the wild grapes of disobedience and um, blasphemy, disrespect, disregard for the message of the Bible. God looks at it and he's just so disappointed. So what does God say? Verse 3. Now, inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah... Judge, please, between me and my vineyard, what more could have been done to my vineyard than I have not done in it? What more than what I've done already could possibly be done? Why then? When I expected it to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? And now let me please tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge and it shall be burned. I will break down its walls and it shall be trampled down. I will lay it waste and it shall not be pruned or dug But there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds. They will not rain on it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. And the men of Judah are his pleasant place. He looked for justice and behold oppression. For righteousness behold a cry for help. Now, what we see in the latter part of this parable is a picture of the judgment of God. Now, in the Old Testament, there are two kinds of judgment. There's what we can call remedial judgment. And then there's what we can call final judgment. I learned this from Richard Owen Roberts, Brother Paul, the great uh, professor of revival. And, uh... He says remedial judgment is actually very merciful. It's the chastisement of the hand of God upon a people, upon a nation. It can be on a church. could be on a family. Maybe you've experienced it personally. The Bible says we should not despise the discipline of the Lord. Because whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. And so sometimes a nation like ours or like Israel or like any other nation, may experience the remedial judgment of God where God, because of his love for us, breaks down the hedges and allows the marauders and the animals and the and the wild pigs to come in to the vineyard. You ever had wild hogs come in your yard? I guarantee you'll know it when they've been there. They make the biggest mess you ever saw. Root everything up, tear everything up. We had them in our house, uh, within the last couple of years. Our neighbors had to have the county come out and trap them, get them removed. God says, I'm, I'm going to move down the hedge and allow wild things to come in this wild vineyard that produces only wild grapes. The Bible says, be not deceived, my brethren. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And so God says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tear down the hedge. And I'm going to take away my hand of protection. And I'm going to let some things start happening to the nation that never happened before. I want to ask you a question. I'll be 61 years old this August. I was born in 1959, not 1859, when the author said our nation was undimmed by human tears. Since 1959, things have been a little different, have they not? Since 1959, our nation has experienced a sexual revolution. Since 1959, our nation has voted to become not pluralistic, but secularistic. We've long since decided that pluralism is old-fashioned. And now we need to get sophisticated and modern like our friends in Europe have done. I want to tell you, the whole continent of Europe is completely secular. All the churches over there, those big cathedrals, they are relics They found out that you don't change a city by building a building. They found out in Europe that there has to be character in the hearts of the people. They've become completely secularistic. And that's the way a lot of people are wanting this nation to go as well. We've seen it in my lifetime. We've taken... Uh, studying the Bible out of the schools and prayer out of the schools and the Ten Commandments out of the schools, and we have, um, in many ways, tried to adjust our nation to a more secular mindset. And in my lifetime, you know what we've begun to see that we never saw before: cities burning. With uncontrollable riots in the streets. Uh, You know what we've seen that we've never seen before? National pandemic diseases. This is not the first. I want to tell you, before I graduated from college, we had never heard of a thing called AIDS. That hit us by storm in the 1980s. Uh, did you know? Uh, since then, in my adult lifetime, we have seen a huge upsurge in uh, in the uh, the flooding disasters of hurricanes. Uh, I'm talking about. There was one place I had a pastor was a, over in uh, Florida. Pastor friend. He said his church suffered in one year four disastrous hurricanes. Can you even imagine? I talked to a lady on my way home from Disneyland when my kids were just little in Pensacola Beach. She said, well, our, our city has never been hit by a hurricane. I thought, well, that's remarkable. Never had a hurricane hit less than six months later. She couldn't say that anymore because one of those big hurricanes hit her like a bullseye. Uh, we've seen an uptick in, uh, in tornadoes. We've seen an uptick in, uh, forest fires, uncontrollable forest fires that just demolish entire states up ablaze in smoke. We've seen an uptick in y'all look at the statistics on this earthquakes in, uh, in my adult lifetime, the statistics on earthquakes in our nation have gone off the charts. Even in places like Oklahoma and Denison, we've begun to feel lots and lots of earthquakes. And, uh, our nation just continues to go right on you know it's it's like after 911 happened in 2001 for about 5 minutes people thought about the lord our churches were filled for about 2 weeks and then we went back to our wild grapes and don't you know god has to be bitterly disappointed When he looks at this nation and he says, what more could I have done? Can I tell you something? If we as citizens of this nation were living in a village instead of living in the world and you took all the world's population and boiled it down to 100 people in a village. That is, instead of 7 billion people, we got 100 people. And instead of living in the world, we live in a village. If that were the case, here's how it would be. Six of us would be from the USA out of a 100. The six of us would control half of the wealth of the entire village. Now think about that. The six of us would live in palatial, nice dwelling places where everybody else, 70% of them, would be living in substandard housing. A lot of it built by tin and cardboard and whatever they can find to build it with. Um, something like... Sp- Fifty to sixty percent of the people would be scratching for a living trying to find food while we gorge ourselves, the six of us, on the finest of food, eating more than we need. And you look at our country and you see all these wild grapes and you see our disobedience and our disregard and our total lack of the fear of God and you wonder what more could God do for us than he's already done he's blessed us so much and we just go right on and on and on in our disobedience disrespect and disregard for the Lord well I'll tell you what folks After remedial judgment has been given its fair chance the only thing left for a nation is final judgment and there were many times when God instructed nations should be wiped out with final judgment and you know why because of wickedness because the wickedness of the people became so unspeakable with sexual promiscuity and sexual perversion and sexual worship where they would actually worship their fertility gods and come to church to have sex and God said no you're not and he went into those nations and he wiped them out final judgment as though it's not his prerogative to do that if he pleases He's the potter and we're the clay. He can do whatever he wants. And I promise you it'll be done righteously. Whatever God desires to do. But here's one reason why I'm having a hard time giving up on America. It's because of sweet folks just like you. I don't know how many there are, but somewhere across this country, there's probably a hundred million or more people who have not forgotten the God of the Bible. And they've not forgotten how to pray. And they've not bowed the knee to Baal. They've just gotten a little complacent and a little lazy a little distracted, a little disobedient and pray God now, maybe we're going to get a wake up call. And maybe now God will take this mighty remnant, which as far as I know, maybe probably is the greatest remnant of faithful believers that this world has ever known or ever will know, that's the godly people who live in the United States of America. Humble, faithful, spiritually minded godly people. There's a bunch of them still here. 20 years from now, 30 years from now, that may not be the case anymore. This could be our last chance as a nation.
0: Thank you for listening to this edition of His Mighty Hand. And remember, this and nearly all of our broadcasts are available in podcast form on your favorite podcast platform, including iTunes and Spotify. Who knows who might yet be touched by it?